Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Father God, we open our hearts and we believe because we are believers. We're believing for mighty things, O oh God. And so as we come to your word this morning, Lord, let our hearts be open, totally open, O oh God, like an open field, God, that's plowed, ready to receive the seed, the word of God, the incorruptible seed of the word of God, that it would bring forth life, O oh God, and we would share this life with those in this world, pointing them to Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I think that uh, as Pavey was praying and, and saying that this morning, that we need to believe. I sense there was a shift that took place there this morning as we were praying for people to see the miraculous take place. So we are going to continue on into the book of John, the Gospel of John. And it's been a few months, a couple of months since we've been there, but we want to take, take us all the way through. And I just want to bring back to our remembrance what the Gospel of John is all about. John is about 90 years old when he writes this. So he's an old man and he is contemplating his experience with Jesus, the time of being with Jesus. And it is so different to the other Gospels. And in John chapter 20, verse 31, it gives us the reason, the purpose of writing the book. You know, our life has to have a purpose. It has to have a reason. Otherwise, we're just existing. And I don't want to exist. I want to live life to the full, don't you? I mean, come on. Every day we get up and wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. Lord, what do you have for me? And in John chapter 20, verse 31, this is what it says. These things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. And when, when we were just talking about believing this morning, I want you to say with me, I believe. I am a believer. And I believe that God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could possibly think. That's the challenge. We're believers. And these things are written so that you may continue to believe. He writes this because there's no doubt in my mind that when he sent this letter out, there were people who stopped believing. They stopped believing. They stopped believing that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. That means one who will help you, one who will come with you on this journey. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you even to the end of the age. But they stopped believing. How sad it must have been for an old man, 90 years old, sitting down and writing the story of Jesus and coming to that line where he says, these things are written, friends, 
so that you continue to believe. You can almost hear the turmoil in his heart as he's crying out, wanting his friends to reconnect. You know, and I know, people who once believed, who were powerful in their faith, have stopped believing. And it's sad. They've fallen away. They've given up. They've thrown in their hands. And Jesus doesn't want us to stop believing in Him. It's just a tragedy. Folks, don't let humanity destroy the love of the divine in your life. Don't let it happen. Do you know why people fall away from connection in the Christian world or in the church world? It's because they've been hurt. They've been hurt. They've been hurt in church. They've been hurt by other believers of faith. And they throw their hands up in the air and they go, I don't believe anymore. I don't believe. Folks, We don't believe in the totality of the church as an absolutely perfect place because this is earth, it's not heaven. We, we, you know, we believe that God wants to work through the church and He builds the church, but as He does it, He uses us who are just imperfect, incomplete. People have been hurt. Pastors have hurt people. I've been hurt by believers. I've been hurt by pastors. But I tell you what, even though those things happen, I I push in to this one thing, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And our faith should be strengthened regardless of the experiences that we are having. It's painful. And I want to say this morning, if you've been hurt, either here or online, by other believers or, or pastors, leaders that have called themselves Christian. It's not what God wants. It's what happens, but He wants you to believe in Him, to place your faith in Him. Don't place your faith in me. I'm going to let you down at some time. Put your faith in Jesus. These things are written so that you may continue to believe. Believe in Him. Why? Well, the reality is this, is that once that you have known Him, once you've tasted of eternal life, you've tasted of the the bread of life Himself, you know Jesus. You know who He is. When I got saved, all my burden of sin and and just the, the uselessness of life disappeared because life came into me who was true life. You know Him. Perhaps you need to reconnect to Him. Have you ever been to a, a reunion, a school reunion? And you're, you're kind of like 25 years older and they've all changed? You know, they're bald, they're fat, that's just the women the men are worse I don't know if I saved myself there but I'm believing because I'm a believer you know they're so different and you've lost that connection because you've moved out of their world and they've moved out of your world 
if they're still there, they say that we are truly who we are when we're seven. You know, the, the pureness of that person. They're still there. And let me tell you, Jesus is still there. He still loves you. He wants you to connect with Him. We're believers and we believe in Him. We can have great confidence in knowing Jesus and through Him knowing the Father, knowing who God is. Leading up to that scripture that, that we read, Jesus wants us to be so connected to Him that nothing moves Him. I need you to believe, to believe in Him. You see, Jesus not only brings salvation, but He brings the revelation of intense salvation and knowing the Father and knowing God. So I want to read to you from John chapter 14 because that's where we left off. But I want to want to read from John 14, 1, and then just continue on to verse 11. And John 14 starts like this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me also. Why were they troubled? You see, this is a continuation of one big meeting together with the disciples. And Jesus has told them that he's just about to die. He's, he's told them that, you know, basically that they, they're going to betray him. And he's told Peter that he's going to deny him. And they're in this meeting with them and their hearts are troubled. This, this word troubled, when Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, it is a commandment. He is saying to us, don't. Do you remember, uh, like when I was growing up, my, my parents and my mum and dad would say to me, don't eat the last biscuit in the tin that's for your father. And you know what you would do? You would eat the last biscuit in the tin. Why? Because if you didn't, then more would not come very practical reason and when the father speaks that is a commandment through Jesus Jesus is saying don't let your hearts be troubled it's a commandment in other words Jesus is saying this I want you to stop worrying stop it if we were to translate that to common day language, it would be this. Stop stressing out. I hear people all the time, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, and I just want to grab them and shake them and say, stop stressing out, you're stressing me out. Stop stressing out. He commands us. Now, if God commands us, He empowers us to fulfill His commandments. I'll say that again. If God commands us to do something, he empowers us to be able to fulfill that commandment. What it shows us also is this, that we are in control of our emotions, that we can control our emotions. We've got to step into that. 
How do we control our emotions when things are going really bad? This is what he says. Stop. Don't let your hearts be troubled. That's the commandment. Here's the ability, the capacity that we have to stop worrying and stressing out. Trust also in me. So when you start stressing out, turn your trust to Jesus. Look to him. Ask him. Ask him to empower you. Ask him to give you the mind that you, of, of him. To have the mind of Christ so that we're not freaking out. Jesus would never give us a commandment if he never enabled us to fulfill the commandment. And we trust in him. Here's the thing about trust. Trust comes from belief. What we believe. And our belief comes from knowledge. This is what the scripture says. It says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So our faith is built on the knowledge of reading the word of God. And depending on the circumstances that you are in, if it's really tough, you need to have your faith built up to be able to walk through it because of the knowledge that you have of God. It strengthens your belief belief and faith, and then you can trust Him. It's simple. So let's shoot down. I'm going to read from the next scripture, please. John 14, 5 and 6. Just leading up to that, Thomas says, I don't, you don't know where you're going. Oh, let me backtrack for you. Let me read this to you because this is so important. Verse 2. We'll just shoot back to verse 2. We don't have it on the screen, but on your Bible. Jesus says this, trust also in me. This is what he says. Now remember, the disciples are freaking out because Jesus has told them he's going to die. He's told them you're going to betray me. He's told them that Peter's going to deny me. And they're going, what's going on? They're worried. And Jesus says this, there is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will also be with me wherever I am. Now, in the King James Version, it says this, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Can I just burst your bubble for a moment? Mansions is not correct. If you had a thought that when you get to heaven, that you are going to have a mansion with a really long driveway, leading up to a big house with statues with your face on it. It's not going to happen. The word in the Greek means this. And when I discovered this, I got to tell you, I was kind of like a little, a little sad inside because I thought I was getting a mansion with a golf course and a swimming pool. The word for room there, room's good, but what it really means is when we get to heaven, we get an apartment. I, I said to baby wants to live in an apartment. I never want to live in an apartment. If you live in an apartment, that's great. I don't want to live in a unit. I've got to have grass under my feet. 
And when I found out that the room was really apartments, a little tear welled up in my eye. And I said, maybe I can change that into Greek, but I can't. I'm sure there's membership somewhere, brother. He asked if there was a golf course. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me in my faith. It's so much better. I believe it might be similar to something in Georgia. Anyway, that's a different story. So they're freaking out. Now listen, I want you to understand this. The purpose of the journey to heaven is not the mansion or the apartment. The purpose of the journey to the apartment is to be with the one who created it all. It's not about the place that where we're going. It's about who is going to be in the place where we're going to go. Jesus. That's it. That's he is life in abundance. So they're all stressed out. Jesus says he's leaving them. They're worried. And Thomas says this in verse 5. No, we don't know, Lord, where you are going. We have no idea. So how can we know the way? And Jesus says this. John 14, verse 6. So important. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Now, the way means the direction for life. Jesus will give you direction for life. It is truth. As in, it is truth to that you can depend on, that is pure, that is genuine. In other words, in other words when you hear what Jesus says, it's absolutely ridgy ditch using Australian terms. And life. It is life as God has given life. Life that he would want us to have. So the purpose of Christ was to make a way to connect back to the Father. And he did that, folks, by dying on the cross for you. To take away your sin and the sin of the world. The sufficiency of the death of Christ on the cross is for all. And God the Father wants you. And the only way that that could be an acceptable sacrifice was to send your son, Jesus, his own son. And added to that, he wants us to know him, who he truly is. And Jesus is revealing the Father through everything that he does everything that he says. Verse 7. Jesus says to them in frustration, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You do know him and you have seen him. Knowing is seeing by faith. Jesus came not only to bring salvation, but also for us to know the one who sent salvation, to know the Father. Jesus is bringing a true, unfettered revelation of who God is. Everything the Son did, the Father wanted done. Their concept of God was a religion without relationship. You know, being a pastor, and people say, what do you do? And, and I say, well, I usually ask them, well, see if you can guess. And I throw this question at them. I 
say, um, I only work one day a week. Well, it's not even a whole day. It's probably just for a couple of hours one day a week. And I go, what are you doing? What are you doing? One guy said to me, are you Anatole? <laughs> Seriously. And, I, and then they can't work it out. Well, some of them work it out. And go, you're, one, one English guy said to me, you're a vicar. Never been called a vicar in my life. He said, yeah, I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor. Hmm. You're religious. And I hate that. It makes my skin crawl. Because when they think of a religious person, they think of someone who's outside of relationship with life. But these guys who fishermen are, Jesus and they don't know where he's going and they're just so confused by it all because they had a religion without a relationship it's so sad and God wants he wants you he wants to be in a relationship with you he wants to speak to you he wants to encourage you you see some people say that God is a God of judgment But if you don't put the God of mercy next to that, it's not true. You see, he is a God of anger, but he's also a God of compassion. He's a God that needs to be served, not out of fear, but a God that is served out of love because of what he has done for us. Well, we know Thomas, he's a doubter, isn't he? He's doubting Thomas. Philip is a pragmatist. Philip is the guy, when there were 5,000 people that were hungry, and Jesus said to them, well, feed them. Philip's going, Six months' wages wouldn't wouldn't work it out. It wouldn't. It just wouldn't cover it. He's a pragmatist. He's working everything out. He's the one who said, right, when he was told they found Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, "What good can come out of Nazareth?" I wonder why he said that. Perhaps he had dealt with some Nazarenes before, and they were just kind of like. He's a little bit cynical, cynical pragmatist. Sounds like an accountant, doesn't it? Numbers, 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 numbers. Does that that sound right? One's nodding. (laughs) Two is shaking their head. Accountant. Not the one. Philip had to kind of like work it all out. You know, he didn't even have faith the size of half a mustard. Even if he, I bet even if he saw Jesus walking on water, he wouldn't believe it. And he did. Here's the 
unbelief is never satisfied. Unbelief is never satisfied. Unbelief looks for excuses. Unbelief places a subtle uh, game in your mind of hmm, doubt. Did that really happen? Does God really love me? Faith accepts and moves forward and has trust and confidence. And Philip refused to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And I love Jesus' response in verse 9. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Where have you been? Are you walking around with your eyes closed? Phil. Jesus goes on and says this. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus is going, look, look. He is trying to build a, a connection between their religious ideology of God and the reality of a relationship they can have by Jesus showing them who he is, who is really the Father. He's trying to get them to leap. And he says, if you have seen me, Phil, who do you think you have really seen? And do you know what happens to us? Sometimes we're living like Philip. Living like Philip. How often do we have a Philip moment when we're going through something and we go, God, are you there? God, do you care? God, do you love me? Show us the Father and I will be satisfied. Why are you asking me to show you, Phil? Don't you believe? Believer, we have to get past the nonsense of asking the question. Or two questions. God, are you there? And God, do you care? We've got to get past that. That's unbelief. God is there. He's there with you. That is baby talk for the Christian. Baby talk. Mum, 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 dad, 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 dad. God, are you there? God, do you care? God, are you there? God, do you care? God, are you there? God, do you care? It's nonsense, folks. We've got to get past that. It's repetition of doubt and unbelief. You know what? You know what doubt is? Doubt is the holding pattern of unbelief. It just keeps keeps going round and round and doesn't ever stop. We are past God, where are you? We are people who have the conviction, God, you are there. God, you are with me. And look, regardless, I mean, you can say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm going through a trial. I don't know why I'm sick. I don't know why this has happened or that. But God, I know you're there and I know that you care. That's what Hazel was saying, Prophet saying this morning. We've got to stand up and say, regardless of the circumstances or what we're going through, God, you're there. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But God, you're there and I know that you care. 
So what have I got to go through and learn through this? You think God is up in heaven trying to just make you confused? No. He's trying to build in you faith, hope, and love. And sometimes the only way that God can get our attention is that we have something like a roadblock in our life or a speed bump. We go, whoa, what's going on? Because God loves you and He wants to connect with you. He's here. He's with you everywhere you go. And when going through something, for goodness sake, look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He started it, He's in the middle of it, and He will complete it. He is here. Now, I know you read your Bible every day. And I know that you read those prayer journal Bible readings I put up every day. And just on Friday, we were in Exodus, Exodus 14. And what's the story that, that, that kind of like just, it just jumped out at me? Pharaoh is chasing Moses and the children of Israel because he's told them to get out, because he finally got Pharaoh's attention, chased them out, and they're chasing them with chariots, with spears, and they're stuck up against the Red Sea. And God, and, and, and God is watching. He's not vacant from our lives. And Moses says, God, are you there? And listen, listen to this, Exodus 14, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? Listen to this next line. Tell the people to get moving. Don't stay where you are in the trouble. Get moving. Don't stay and look at the enemy and go, look how many there are. They've got chariots and spears and horsemen. They're all coming up. Don't even look at them. Don't, don't give them a breath. Don't give them a thought. Just keep moving. I love that. I love reading this stuff sometimes. And I think, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. It's only when they started to move that God started to issue for Peter, uh, for Philip was faith. He couldn't believe even when he saw the mighty works of God. I love it when people say to me, you know, if I was around in Jesus' day, I wouldn't doubt. No, I doubt if you wouldn't doubt. I know you wouldn't doubt. Somewhere in the lane of life, folks, you have to jump over the line. You have to crawl over the line. But can I tell you something? Just get over the line that God is there and He's here. And you'll be liberated. You'll be liberated. You will walk with such confidence because you are the head and not the tail. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there are angels that God sends at times I don't focus on angels. I 
you focusing on Jesus, the one who can save you? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 10, and Jesus pushes the point with Philip. This is what he says. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Jesus makes a statement here that we can't just brush over. In fact, it's such a powerful statement. Listen to this. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Two important things that Jesus is pointing out for us. His words and his works. That's the bottom line. His words and his works. That's how God moves in our lives, through his word and through his works. Can I ask you, has he ever spoken to you? Gave an impression to you? You know, in your heart, or you've read the word of God and it jumped out at you. That's God speaking to you. That's his words. Has Jesus ever called you to do something? That's him speaking to you. Has his, has his word ever fallen short? Listen to this in John chapter 6, verse 63. The very words I speak to you, Jesus says, are spirit and life. And Jesus is trying, is trying to drag these people from their idea of who God is, which is a, a religion without a relationship, and trying to bring them into this relationship with the Father. And he speaks the word the Father speaks, and the Spirit and life. He speaks to us not only how to live life, but the direction, which is our truth. Think about this just for a moment. Every word that Philip heard from Jesus was a direct word from the Father. God speaking. Personal. And he still speaks to us today through his word. That's God, the creator of the universe who breathed in the man the breath of life, he speaks to us today. You know why I'm so obsessed about trying to get you to read the Word of God? So you can feel the heartbeat of God. When Jesus spoke to you and he gave you his words, they were true 100%. Any principle that you put into practice that Jesus says works 100%, it never fails. words of God, but also the works that Jesus did were the works that the Father was wanting done. Listen to John 5, 19. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself. That's astounding. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He only does what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus gives us insight how God works through us because he sends someone to us that is so important in our lives. So Jesus manifests God in human flesh. Here's the word of God. 
sees what God is doing, and then he does it. And then Jesus, in a few more verses, tells us how it takes place. But let's not go there just yet. Jesus never came to do his will, his own personal will. He came to do the will of the Father. Now, was that a challenge for Jesus? do I know that? Because in the garden in Gethsemane where he was going through a time of trial and testing to the point where he's sweating blood. Has anyone here ever sweated blood? You know, that's pressure on you folks. And he's saying, do I have to go to the cross? And Jesus says, not my will, but your will. Let it, let it pass from me, God. Do I, do, I, do I really have to do this? Not my will, but your will. A third time, three times. After that, he just went to the cross. Now, I'm not saying that you can't ask. I'm saying ask. But when you know that you know what you're supposed to do, you just do it. Because Jesus didn't come to do his own thing. Folks, we are not here to do our own thing. That's the reality. Jesus spoke the word to the Father. And when the Father spoke, was in so direct communication that they were one. Just one. And then Jesus says this. Verse 11. Look at this. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Just believe. Yes or no, please. Or, <laughs> I love this, or at least maybe sometimes where you just you go through that God are you there it's time to put it to bed the question God do you care yes put it to bed he does care you've just got to let it go folks and trust in him and believe in him and if that's you this morning I want to pray for you right where you are this morning you don't have to down the front. You can stand where you are by faith. And if you're watching online, and I know there are people watching online, and you need to believe, then believe that God cares for you, and that God loves you, and that God is there in your circumstances, in your trial, in your challenges. God is there. And if that's you, I just want you to respect the privacy of everyone. Why don't we just all close our eyes? And if you've been in that place, God, are you there? God, do you care?
and, and you just want to jump over the line by faith this morning and just raise your hand, that it would never, ever be a question in your heart. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Responded. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. You see, we're not alone in this type of deal, folks. This is the reality of life. But we've got to get over this stuff. We've got to get over it. Right now, by the name and the power of Jesus Christ, I pray against doubt and unbelief. I take authority over these things, Lord, that, that, that doubt who, who arrests our faith. And I bind its work. I bind the spirit of doubt for those that are here and those that are watching online in Jesus' name. Lord, and every time that we go through a trial or a challenge and something's happening, let our confession be, God, you are here. God, that you care. God, you are my source. You are my strength. Give me the strategy. Give me the way in which to go. Show me the path, Lord, that I must step upon. And I'm going to trust you, God, all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, I'm, I speak faith into the life of your people this morning. I speak belief. I speak wholeness that they would trust in Jesus, that we would continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, we have life by the power of His name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand this morning? Because He loves you, He is there, and He does care. Walk that way. And I tell you what, man, you will have confidence. You will have and you know, when you have confidence, you have peace. You have strength. You have joy. I wondered sometimes how, you know, when people are going through a trial and they're just laughing it, laughing it off. No, they're just laughing it around. <laughs> you think you can hurt us, enemy? I tell you what you can't. Because God is with you. Amen? Amen. 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 Why don't you turn to someone this morning and say, I am a believer. I am a believer. I believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, and I'm speaking to those online and you here this morning, but I just want to look at them. If you don't know Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, then I encourage you, ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask Him to come and take away the sin. Ask Him to come and take away the confusion of the purpose of your life because God had the purpose for you because He loves you. He loves you. He, he loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you on the cross. That would be the total sacrifice of all that you would need because He cares for you. He cares for you. And that's why He sent Jesus. Just ask Him that simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And if you pray that simple prayer, I believe that you've started a journey of faith. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.